So I'm standing in the flight path of Washington Reagan National Airport. That sound you hear is the topic of today's episode of Trade Talks. That was a Bombardier regional jet, a CRJ-200. Now, it could have been carrying the Canadian trade negotiating team for all we know. They're coming into town soon for the next round of NAFTA talks. And of course, that wasn't the exact plane that today's episode is about. For that, you'll have to stay tuned. Hello, you are listening to an episode of Trade Talks, a podcast about the economics of trade policy. I am Samaya Keynes, economics and trade correspondent for The Economist in London. And I'm Chad Bown, a senior fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics in Washington. This week is about planes. We will navigate a battle brewing between Bombardier, an upstart Canadian aircraft maker, and Boeing, its established American rival. So ladies and gentlemen, please return to your seats, fasten your seatbelts, we expect turbulence ahead. Listeners should be really grateful to me for the number of plane puns I had to cut from this script. Okay, so you might have seen some stuff about this in the news. Uh, The Trump administration is poised to smack a whopping 300% tariff on Bombardier, the Canadian plane maker. That would make Boeing pretty happy by killing the commercial viability of this new model of plane. Unfortunately, Justin Trudeau and Theresa May are not happy. Canadian and British jobs are on the line. So the big question is, is President Trump about to crash these special relationships? Is there any way to avoid collisions? Okay, that's enough. As loyal listeners will know by now, trade disputes always have a backstory. What has started the fight here? So this dispute is about competition. This particular case is about a segment of the large civil aircraft market. Planes are basically characterized by how many seats they have, how far they fly, and how much fuel they use. This particular market is planes that have in the range of 100 to 150 seats and planes that fly more than 2,900 nautical miles, or basically that's the distance from the East Coast to the West Coast, if you're thinking in United States terms. Worldwide, there's basically two companies that make planes that fit into this category historically. Boeing, the American company that makes the 737, and Airbus, the European company that makes the A319. These are pretty big planes, lots of seats, can fly a long way. Historically, Canadian Bombardier has sat slightly away from these giants, Boeing and Airbus. Sometimes you need smaller planes. So they have the smaller series, like that one that you heard over Chad's head a few minutes ago. Um, So the Canadair regional jet only has between 60 and 100 seats doesn't fly anywhere near as far and its its main competitor was actually a brazilian regional jet maker and in this different product space these smaller planes it was mainly left alone by companies like boeing and airbus now that all changed in 2008 when bombardier announces the launch of this new plane series called the c series these planes will be way bigger they'll have up to 130 or 160 seats depending on the model so they're competing directly with these bigger planes that Boeing and Airbus are producing. They'll also fly further than these old regional planes. Okay, so that was in 2008. Why is this only surfacing now? Well, getting planes off the ground is a slow process. They need developing, testing. But now this thing is pretty much here. In June of 2016, Bombardier delivered its first C-series plane. Delta Airlines is the first major American carrier. It's ordered 75 of these new planes, which is over $5 billion on future sales. And the first ones of these in this big contract were due to arrive in April 2018. 
this is the the center of this dispute. Boeing 737 and the Airbus 319 have a new competitor. Okay, so this is new competition. Boeing doesn't like it. That makes sense. But there are two puzzles here. Number one, how did Theresa May get involved? Why is Britain part of this? And number two, what is the allegation? What What is Boeing saying that Bombardier is doing wrong? If you don't like the competition, you can't just hit tariffs on companies willy-nilly. Chad, what's the situation? So first of all, in the first question, Britain gets dragged into this because even though these are Canadian airplanes, Bombardier is a Canadian company, the planes aren't all built in one place. So yes, the final assembly of the planes is taking place in Quebec, in a big plant there, but not all the parts are made there. So the engine is made by an American company, part of the main fuselage, so that's the big part of the airplane that we actually sit in. That's actually made in China. And the wings, well, those are built in a plant in Northern Ireland. Okay, so I get that you want to make your plane wings the best or cheapest place to make plane wings, but don't these global supply chains make you very vulnerable to tariff disputes? So that's sort of the point, kind of the opposite. These supply chains might actually help you avoid tariff disputes. By having the parts spread across different countries, that makes multiple countries have ownership in the success of the airplane company, and it helps to keep markets open. Now, this is something that I actually have some research on. Hey, Chad Research. (laughs) So in a paper with Emily Blanchard and Robert Johnson, what we do is we look at cross-country data on import tariffs, including the kind that the United States is talking about imposing here. And the evidence that we find is that, at least on average, a country like the United States tends to impose lower tariffs on trading partners and in industries where those imports contain a lot of American content, so a lot of American parts and components. By picking where you produce, you're essentially picking your team in any potential trade fight. So that's right. Now, to be fair, the story of my research doesn't entirely translate here. The engines for these planes are American engines. So it's not like Bombardier didn't pick some American content. But maybe if the wings were also made in the United States, well, then enough of the Bombardier plane would be American stuff and maybe they would be able to avoid these tariffs. But as of right now, they're not. That's why the UK is involved. But what is Boeing accusing Bombardier of doing? Boeing's basically making two simultaneous accusations, filing two simultaneous complaints in this case. Both of them were made in April of 2017. Their first claim is that these Bombardier sales that they're making to Delta Airlines are at dumped prices. So they're being sold at below their cost. The second claim is that Bombardier also received billions of dollars in subsidies from governments to help them make these planes. Okay. Now, the American Department of Commerce thinks Boeing is right. That's what generated all these headlines about how there was this trade war brewing between America and UK and Canada. It's made a judgment. Chad, what do you think? So let's start with the anti-dumping case. And to be clear, I haven't seen the data, so it is a little bit of guesswork. But suppose Bombardier sales to Delta Airlines are below cost. In the market for these new models of airplanes, the low price is really part of the sales strategy. Delta is a partner because they're really buying the first ones of these types of aircraft. They're a partner. They're trying it out. There could be problems that they're taking on board. So that's just how this market works. So what about subsidies? Here in the other simultaneous complaint, and this is under the countervailing duty law, it does look like Bombardier has received a number of subsidies. So it looks like they may have gotten subsidies 13 different types from the Canadian government, both the federal government and the province of Quebec but also subsidies from the UK government, something called launch aid. But the point here is that in airplanes, everyone subsidizes a bit. 
The Europeans, in the Airbus case, for decades, they've given launch aid. In the United States, Boeing has received implicit subsidies through military contracts. Basically what happens is the Defense Department says to Boeing, here's a couple of billion dollars. Go out and build a military aircraft capable of fighting in a war that can carry around giant tanks. After they've done that, Boeing realizes, hey, once we strip out the tank, we can add in some seats, some pretzels, some coffee, and we can sell this to the airlines and actually make money. So the main point of this is subsidies are everywhere in this market. The reason why is they're helping these companies overcome large barriers to entry. It takes billions and billions of dollars to come up with new aircraft, to do the research and development and the testing necessary to get them off the ground. And it's important sometimes for these companies to be the first ones into these markets. So governments see this and they engage in what wonky economists call strategic trade policy. They offer these subsidies to try to help their companies be the first one into the market so they can earn these really big profits. You might think that all these subsidies would lead to a ton of trade disputes, trade wars, tit-for-tat, tariffs, but actually historically it's rained retaliation in. So the, the fact that everyone is subsidizing a bit prevents these disputes from escalating. So there's been a ton of disputes between Boeing and Airbus, with each claiming that the other side is getting unfair help. But so far, there hasn't been actual trade retaliation with tariffs, even in cases where the World Trade Organization ruled in these companies' favor, saying, yes, they are getting unfair subsidies. And that's what sets this case apart. This case is unusual. If duties are applied on Bombardier, it could be the first time that there are actually trade measures imposed. Okay, so here the situation is that legally, under US law, it could be that Bombardier is technically selling below cost and it's technically received subsidies. With that in mind, how is this going to play out? So we should note that the decisions that the Department of Commerce has made so far, the 220% countervailing duty, the 80% anti-dumping duty, those are preliminary. So they have to continue on with their investigation. We're expecting a final decision from them in December. And then in February, we're expecting the second and complementary part of this case, where the International Trade Commission looks at the question of whether the American company Boeing is actually injured and going to be injured by these sales into the market. Now, Bombardier is probably going to argue, how can Boeing be injured when the sales haven't actually taken place yet? None of these airplanes have actually come into the U.S. market. Well, there's a part of the U.S. law which says that even the threat of these sales is enough to potentially cause injury. And so we'll see. But supposing there's injury, we get tariffs, 300 percent. What happens next? For Bombardier, what's going to happen is that basically quadruples the price of these airplanes for Delta. And it's going to make it highly unlikely that these particular aircraft are going to remain competitive. So then the question is, well, what happens back in Canada and in Northern Ireland? You know, there's lots of jobs at stake here. Will the fight end there? If these tariffs are imposed, are the Canadians and the Brits just going to suck it up or are they going to hit back? So the Canadians are already threatening to review and potentially terminate contracts that Boeing has to sell military jets to the Canadian government, something called Super Hornets. And the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, has also threatened British procurement contracts with Boeing as well, potentially stopping the sale of Apache helicopters from Boeing. Does this sort of thing usually get super political with prime ministers, presidents weighing in on what they'll do? No, not at all. These types of trade remedy cases are really usually super boring. 
But that's part of the political fare in the age of Trump. This isn't the only one of these that we've seen. Back in April, when the United States announced a preliminary anti-dumping countervailing duty on softwood lumber from Canada, President Trump made an announcement. That's unheard of. And in that case, what happened is the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, had to do the same thing, had to threaten retaliation against the United States. There's a big fight within the trade community about how much this case is related to Trump. And there's a good question. Would this dispute have been taken out under a different administration? We'll never know for sure, although the Trump administration has certainly been more gung-ho about its attitude towards tariffs. Stepping back, the bigger point I would make is that these trade fights about planes are nothing new. There are these huge subsidies, which is just like a sitting duck for companies to complain that they're facing unfair competition and to try and compete through litigation rather than just making the most amazing plane they can. How should we fix this issue? What's the right way to deal with planes and trade? I should warn listeners at this stage that we're approaching the Let's Just All Sing Kumbaya Together bit of the podcast. Uh, If you have any thoughts on what Chad's weekly plea for more multilateralism should be called, then do tweet them to us at at trade underscore underscore talks. Chad, take it away. If a politically charged tariff war isn't the right way to solve this dispute, and I'm pretty sure that you don't think it is, what is the way to deal with it? So in an ideal world, I guess we wouldn't have aircraft subsidies at all. Or at least we might have limits to these subsidies. And so that's where we really are now. This question of perhaps we need to treat aircraft subsidies different from all other types of subsidies. So we maybe need rules about those. So hang on, I thought the point was that there are rules against subsidies. There are general rules that says, hey, you can't just, you know, subsidize your products and then send them to another market. And that's what Boeing is using in this case. So that's right. But aircraft producers are just different. And I think we have to realize that we can't be complete idealists in this market. We have to realize that even Chad can't be a complete idealist in this market and recognize that governments are going to subsidize. For decades, these countries have been trying to negotiate trade agreements, rules to rein in their subsidies. They just haven't been able to do it. There's just too much of an incentive for each of them to want to get their firms to be the first ones to enter into these new markets. Have there been specific negotiations on aircraft subsidies as distinct from the overall subsidies? Dating back to the 1970s, to the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade negotiations. This has been going on for a long, long time and they just never got there. Over time, it's gotten even more complicated. Now it's no longer just the US and Europe having to negotiate anymore. Now you have to bring Canada in. You have to bring Brazil in. And increasingly, you have to start to worry about China. The major new player on the scene is really the future aircraft industry of China. Persuading governments that subsidies shouldn't be imposed is really tough. They have this incentive to want to do it. The other problem is all the other countries in the world have no incentive to try to get the United States, Europe, and all these other countries to stop subsidizing. The reason why is they're aircraft consumers. The subsidies mean more airplanes and airplanes at cheaper prices. So the rest of the world, they love it when the Americans and the Europeans and the Canadians and the Chinese all subsidize. If better rules are so hard to get, why shouldn't companies just fight their competitive tariffs? Why shouldn't they just use these countervailing duties? Well, I think the problem there is, is you end up in this tit for tat world where you have all of the governments subsidizing, all of the governments then imposing duties, and everybody's worse off. It's a better situation if 
you use the dispute settlement process, the WTO, to try to get countries to scale back some of the subsidies. Now, this doesn't ultimately solve the problem. The, the subsidies are never eliminated, but it does help contain the problem. We don't have this thing escalate into one country imposing tariffs, then another country threatening military contracts, and who knows how it escalates, potentially out of control from there. To sum up, if tariffs are coming, then politically this is a nightmare. And it's coming at a terrible time. What about the ongoing trade negotiations between the American and Canadian governments? What about the precious US-UK trade relationship? Boeing could make a legal case that it faces unfair competition, but in planes, fair is a relative term. Everyone gets subsidies. Rather than fighting it out with tariffs, it would be better if everyone could just agree to get along and somehow limit the amount of cash you can pump into aircraft. I'm not hopeful. Great. Okay, so another happy note to end on for Trade Talks. Uh, so, acknowledgements. So I would like to thank Professor Emily Blanchard and Robert Johnson at Dartmouth College for permitting me to talk about our shared research on global supply chains and trade policy. And also, once again, Professor Jennifer Hillman at Georgetown Law School for talking us through some of the details of these trade remedy laws and WTO disputes. I'd love to thank Charles Reed, our resident plane expert at The Economist. And that is all from Trade Talks. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And tell your friends, random people you're sitting next to on an airplane. This episode especially is a great conversation starter. And if you have any specific feedback or ideas for future episodes, then do get in touch. I'm at Samaya Kings. And I'm at Chad Bown. We're on at trade underscore underscore talks. That's not one, but two underscores. At trade underscore underscore talks. Because when it comes to making trading partners upset with new trade remedies on jets, one state headed by Queen Elizabeth II just wasn't enough.